A reading from Acts. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the great grace that was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought them the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as he had need. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from 1 John. We declare to you that what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, this life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Uh, the Holy Gospel today comes from the book of St. John, the 20th chapter, starting with the 19th verse. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish people, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand, and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand and his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My dearest siblings, grace and peace to you from God in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen this. I think it was about a week ago. Uh, Pew Research came out with a poll that they do every year. They've been doing the same poll every year since 1936. And the poll, it's a survey of uh, a, a sample of the population. They asked, do you belong to any religious affiliation? One question. Simple, right? been asking the same question since 1936. This year is the first year since 1936 that the number of yes responses to that question was below 50%. It was 47%. The first year since 1936, less than half of the people surveyed said that they belonged to a religious affiliation. Which, for Christianity, does not sound like good news, right? I mean, things are trending downward. For us as a church, that sounds like scary news. For some reason, people don't want to be a part of church. And frankly, I'm not surprised. Here's why. Our gospel reading today, it is the day of Easter. It is evening. It is the day that Jesus has risen from the dead. At this point, none of the disciples have seen him or know that he has risen. They are hiding in this room, locked away, terrified for their lives. And then Jesus shows up out of nowhere and says, peace be with you. But I don't think we realize how powerful of a statement this is. Now put yourself in place of the disciples. These guys are here not just racked with grief because the person they love most was killed by the Roman Empire. But I imagine completely racked with guilt. We have Peter, who denied Jesus three different times to save his own neck. We have the rest of the disciples who, at the Last Supper, told Jesus, we will go with you to the end. We will die with you. We're not afraid for our lives. And they all ran away the moment Jesus was arrested. None of them were there at the cross while Jesus was dying, because they were terrified that they would die too. So they're wracked with grief and guilt, hiding in this room, still afraid for their lives, and then, bah, Jesus shows up. Think about that. We have horror movies about this, by the way, folks. We have horror movies where people promise to stick with someone to the end, and then they abandon them, and then somehow that person comes back, and you watch the whole movie where they're out to get them, right? Like, we have horror movies about this scenario. And we're not just talking about anyone. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about Jesus, the most powerful person. Imagine what was going through their mind the moment Jesus just showed up. Probably like, oh my God, I'm in so much trouble. And yet Jesus says, peace. Not guilt. Not shame. Not condemnation. Not where were you? What happened? Peace. Be with you. 
the very first thing out of his mouth, peace be with you. Now the word Jesus uses here is the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is a much bigger word than our word peace. For us, peace is more uh, the absence of conflict. Shalom is something that's far more encompassing. Shalom is being content where you are as you are. It is the moment when no matter what you have done in your life, you just know it's going to be okay. Peace is that thing that, that helps you understand that during any trial or tribulation you might be going through, any guilt you might be racked with, that God still loves you. God is still present with you. God is still going to work with you and use you. That is shalom. It is so much bigger than our understanding of peace. And it is that word that Jesus extends to the disciples. Shalom be with you. All of your guilt, all of your shame, any of your fear, all of that, it's okay. God is right here with you. I love you. It's going to be okay. That's powerful, right? That's a powerful moment. Jesus' very first words to disciples after his resurrection is this powerful moment of grace. And I think he does this because it empowers the disciples. The most important thing for Jesus is that this group of followers now turn around and take up his mantle and go out into the world and spread this message of God, of good news, of God's shalom, of God's enduring presence, of God's love and God's grace. Jesus needs the disciples to do that. And so he couldn't shame them, guilt them, or anything. He needed to give them grace. He needed to give them shalom. How have we missed this as a church? How have we missed this moment where these disciples deserved punishment? Deserved their comeuppance? If anyone deserved it, it was them. And yet Jesus offers them shalom. The very first action of Easter, Jesus offers this powerful grace. How have we missed this as a church? 53% of people in this country are not leaving church because they have found something else or something better. 53% of the people in this country have left churches because they have experienced a church that would rather use guilt or shame or condemnation to spread its message or to get people to do what it wants them to do, to gain followers or affiliation or whatever have you. For centuries, this has been the church's primary way of bringing people in and trying to hold on to them by telling them they're not enough, by guilting them, by shaming them, by condemning people who aren't like them. Like I said, I'm not surprised that only 47% of people in our country right now said that they belong to any kind of a religious affiliation. Which is why I think it's time for us to reclaim this Easter message. 
It's time for us to reclaim shalom. And as always, folks, that starts with you. That starts with you coming to terms with that peace for yourself. That comes with you experiencing shalom in your own life. That comes from you realizing that just as you are right now, despite anything you may have done in your past or your present, despite any shortcomings, Jesus offers you peace. Jesus offers you grace just as you are. And that has to be something we experience. That can't be something that we just come to terms with intellectually. That has to be something that we experience in our own lives. That God loves us just as we are. And it has to start with you. You have to come to a space where you experience that powerful, radical grace that God just loves you. Because it's not until you experience that for yourself that you can genuinely go out there and share that shalom with others. Where you can go out there and tell people through your own experience, God loves you just as you are. God doesn't need you to be something special. God doesn't need you to be the perfect moral person to go out there and share peace with others. God only needs you to understand and experience that you are loved just as you are right now. And that we are simply called to go out there and love others. There's a reason this is Jesus' first action after the resurrection. Because Jesus needs his church to experience this peace, this grace, this love, and then just simply go out there and share it with others. But we've become so consumed with our own power, our own egos, that we go out there and we try to shame people, we try to guilt people. Believe this or else. Be this or else. We've lost this message of peace. And it's time to reclaim it. And it's time for us to pass on shalom, not just as individuals, but as the church, the way that Jesus starts this moment in Easter. I'll tell you right now, as I talk about experience, you need to experience this first. I'll tell you, I would not be here as your pastor if this didn't happen for me. I would not be here if it wasn't for my pastor when I was younger, Eric Young, who shared this kind of peace with me. When I was in my early 20s, I was ready to give up on church for the same reason that 53% of our country right now is giving up on the church. I thought it was a space of condemnation, condemnation, exclusion, judgment, guilt, shame. I didn't want to have any part of it. And it wasn't until this pastor said, no, that's wrong. We are people of grace. You don't have to do anything special. God just loves you as you are. And I think you have a gift for ministry. And you don't have to do anything to go out there and, and, and claim that gift for ministry to be a pastor. You, just as you are, are good enough. God loves you. That was such a powerful experience in my life. It was such an infectious moment of faith that I couldn't help myself. I immediately wanted to be involved in ministry because this person was able to extend that level of shalom to me. That's why Jesus starts the resurrection this way. Now we might look at, at this 47% number 
as a dismal statistic. We might look at that and say, that doesn't bode well for the church. That doesn't offer a lot of hope. But honestly, I look at 47% and I see a lot of hope. I see a lot of people in our country, even in our community here, who probably haven't experienced God's shalom, but who need to. Amen.